Material for the brain. Conversations for thinking bodies. Hello to all of you out there and welcome for another episode of Material for the Brain podcast. Today's guest is a friend of mine from Israel, Yochai Ginton, a dancer, teacher and a performer. Yochai was a very inspiring person for me in my own journey of becoming a dancer as he did a similar process several years ahead of me and in his humble way showed me that it is possible to become a dancer in a later phase of one's life. Many years later, Yochai is still very passionate about dance and the potential it has on the way we can experience life. Yochai is also a great example of someone who found a way to use dance as a tool for self-growth and self-inquiry. And on a personal note, Yochai reminds me that there are many different ways to reach the same point, a reminder that I tend to forget too easily. Our conversation was recorded on the 20th of April, and since then the reality in Israel had changed dramatically due to the latest escalation in the ongoing conflict in the region. If we would have recorded the conversation yesterday, it would have probably become a very different one. But nevertheless, I do feel that Yochai's voice is ever more needed, and I'm happy that I can share it with you all. Now, before we start, I have just one request or an invitation for you. If there is someone you think that could be an interesting guest for the podcast and that you would be curious to hear how a conversation with me could unfold, please reach out to me via email or on social media and share with me your ideas. I would be very happy to hear from you. And now, without further ado, here is Yochai Ginton. Good morning, Yochai. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Matan. I'm good. It's I'm really, good. really How nice to... I'm very good. It's really nice to see you. It's been a long time since uh, we took some time to converse and I'm really excited to see you. Yes, a long time. I'm excited as well. Very and uh, there is many things I want to talk to you because you, like we shared a lot of history. But uh, maybe you can kind of bring me a little bit to, into your life. Like, where are you now? What is going on? What is new? How is life at the moment? Hey, where am I now? Now I'm in uh, Kibbutz Betnir, <laughs> sitting uh, in my uh, new home, which uh, we recently moved with the family, um, with Olivia and her daughter, 12 years old, and our uh, mutual daughter, uh, Sol, almost three. Uh, so we moved uh, two months ago to Betnir, Kibbutz Betnir is where I grew up as a child for 20 years. And uh, it's very special, very special for me, uh, the sensation of, uh, of uh, feeling like a, a very a strong anchor, a root after uh, three, four years. So uh, I think that's my main... Uh, excitement nowadays this feeling of wow the ship has 
has arrived, you know, to the shore, <laughs> to the <laughs> island. And uh, it's a really a, a very strong physical sensation that something is expanding and uh, there is more availability because of having a clearer anchor. So if you ask me where I am, that's my main uh, focus because we really, it was a very, very intense uh, move. Uh, that we did here uh, and now we're starting like to take our heads above the water and uh, and like uh, enjoy more enjoy more take more time and uh, slowly discover the ways to to interlink the dance and the profession life into where we live now which is not obvious <laughs> it requires a lot of creativity <laughs> yeah and i guess uh, you know when i hear this uh, just these words that yeah you're you're back in the kibbutz where you grew up i think that maybe for many of the audience who are listening it's just sounds like okay he gave he come back to where he grew up but i think that you know since i know what a kibbutz is and what kind of a childhood you probably had I can assume how special it is, no? Like tons of childhood memories and a lot of uh, emotional connection to, to the place, no? Yes, um, very much emotionally connected to the place. Uh, and it's nice to discover it from a new angle after, I don't know, almost 20 years that I haven't been here. Um, so it's a, it's a very big shift. I mean, uh, also for my partner, I, 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 I'm more familiar with living in the nature and in the countryside. And uh, for her and for her daughter, it's less obvious. So there is a lot of adaptation to do. Um, to understand what it means to live in a, not only in the countryside, but also in 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 the in this form of a kibbutz um, this kind of community which it has also changed a lot but the aspect of uh, privacy uh, is uh, is not obvious it's not moving to the countryside to some house in the forest that you have your your spot your corner and you're somewhat isolated you see your neighbors, I know everybody, hi, hi, and uh, for me it's fine, I, I, I like it, I don't know, I, I like the people uh, in all ages, and I like the open grass, there is like an open grass and like the, the sensation of space when my child's soul just runs out and she can run to the grass and this uh, sensation of space is very strong. Yet, there is this uh, aspect of everybody knows one another. It's a small uh, village, it's like 500 people living here. Um, and the, 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 the concept of borders or uh, privacy, uh, I think it has another color here. <laughs> Uh, 
It's not that everybody immediately comes and they build their own like a live fence and it's very clear that you have your, uh, your private space that uh, maybe gives also a, a sensation of feeling protected uh, or feeling like intimate. Uh, here is more like, more like open. Is it more coming because of the history of the kibbutz yeah. movement that it was like a socialist village and, and this history is kind of still present in that regard, you think? Or? Yes, yes, it's still the, the resonance, the, the outcome of this uh, history that uh, uh, in the kibbutz you, you, you grow up as the, as the child of the kibbutz. You're not so much the child of your mother and father, you're more the child of the kibbutz. So the kibbutz needs to know where you are <laughs> all the time. And, uh, and um, there, it's like the kibbutz in, in, in the old times is like one big family. So if you put a border on your private land, it's like you, you disconnect yourself or where your house is, you kind of disconnect yourself from the family and the kibbutz is the family. So the kibbutz wants to know what's happening there inside. Uh, so all this uh, concept of um, privacy uh, is a, <laughs> has a big has a big twist it didn't bother me as a child like i i wasn't like envy uh, jealous envy for my for my privacy but actually now coming back and also through the eyes of my partner realizing uh, the meaningfulness and the importance of having like your own private zone and your intimate zone that is not obvious that everybody sees and that you share it with everybody. Uh, and yeah, the kibbutz is like changing a lot uh, uh, in terms of the ownership of the lands and uh, where people work, how they receive their money and everything becomes more private, more like a community village. And uh, and there is more respect, much more respect towards the privacy of the individual. Not only that, giving the space and the, the uh, how you say, the greetings for the person that, yeah, go and live your dream and see where you want to take your life. And you don't only have to work in the, in the, in the uh, fields of the kibbutz, in the frames of the kibbutz. So this has changed uh, intensely or like in a very big manner in the last uh, 30 years, I would say. And, uh, and now I still feel, especially in the people, in the older people, you still feel the, in their personality and in the vibe, <laughs> the old kibbutz, and that is not, it's not obvious for the neighbors to accept that, uh, wow, we would like our privacy. Uh, we, we, 
it's not uh, it's not obvious to all the time this uh, to say hi to everybody <laughs> so so but uh, i'm you know i'm observing that and uh, i'm uh, there's like a, an adjustment from our side to this uh, to living here but i think also very much from the kibbutz side to a lot of young couples that are coming back to live here and uh, and uh, you know start start a life here with a young family as a young family and they uh, will see where uh, where it takes us and uh, where it takes this uh, place hey you know it's a uh... I mean, I wasn't aware of that shift that you did, and somehow you know uh it pulls my my curiosity into a bit different direction of what I planned when I invited you here, but nevertheless, I'm pretty excited about it because you know I hear you and i already f- i I already sense in myself all the kind of reaction that I have to this story and the different positive and negative aspect that uh, that that are coming from this kind of lifestyle and like who am I in this relation and You know, I grew up in the city, even though my father is a is a farmer and he moved from his uh piece of land to Jerusalem because my mother didn't want to live in the countryside, but at the same time he had i I grew up with a father that had kind of a certain despise to the kibbutz movement, so he i I heard a lot of critique about the kibbutz and like this kind of overly shared life, and I think I grew up as a To become a person who has a very strong ability to place boundaries between me and other people, and my wife is the opposite, and she's very attracted to this kind she always wants to go back to Israel and live in some kibbutz, and I'm like, "You can do it, but with another man so. <laughs> <laughs> and and then when I hear you, it's like you know it, it's just interesting how 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 it can take you to different places because now I feel like It would be maybe for me as a as a you know on a level of like a emotional work a very good thing to do you know to 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 chat to face this kind of need to always push people away from myself and and yeah and it's uh, it's not obvious like what are the 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 thing that can come up with such decision like I don't know what was motivating you to move from the city especially like that you're both dancers working around culture and like Was it related to the corona and all this that kind of stopped our profession for a while or uh, the first thing that uh, uh, sparked this uh, uh, need to move out of the city was the birth of uh, soul uh, my little one that uh, it hit me like a lightning that uh, I cannot grow her in Yafo in Jaffa. It's way too aggressive. You know when you go with the strolley with the with the few months baby, everything around you is a, a how you say magnified like with a magnifying glass the the little pieces of the cigarettes, the glass broken glass everywhere, and you're like if you take her out of the strolley, it's like. Everything looks so huge. Every motorcycle that comes, the noises, the, the sounds, like that can be very sharp. And you look on your tender little baby and she, you know, uh, shivers. And this uh, need to, 
I don't know, this need to protect her, that, that's the first thing that comes to me. But also the question, where can I be the best father? I love the city and I love the, there is a very colorful and inspiring energy there. And for me it was very inspiring as a single man there or with a, with a girlfriend. But uh, as a father, uh, raising a family, I felt I cannot be at my best. And it uh, just, uh, I want to be the best father that I can be. So my main question was, like the main thing that came to me was anchor, root, anchor. I need an anchor. I don't feel anchored here. In the first year of Seoul, we still lived in the city. So I, I, I couldn't find an anchor within myself in the relationship to the fatherhood, to the partnerhood, to where we lived. It was very challenging. So what I could do until we eventually moved was to investigate what does it mean in dance as a teacher, as a dance teacher, as a mover, to teach anchors searching for anchors how can i find it in the realm of physicality and i think this uh, this uh, need for a root for an anchor actually made me <laughs> improve my abilities as a dancer as a performer looking for anchors and the anchor of the movement like the importance of where the movement comes from uh, and what is the trajectory? Where do I send it? So it's the same, what is my anchor as a father and the trajectory in, the, in my baby, in the child, how it's growing up or how is the communication with her? So uh, I started teaching anchors. That's how I can call it. Like because of looking for anchors, I was teaching anchors, anchors in, in movement. Is not anchor to to park to park the the ship or the boat, but is anchor in order to find movement eventually. Because mm. I felt a lack of movement within me; something was stuck. And again, it was a very challenging and intense a uh, a uh, move after one year uh, to move to the village. Like I was really insisting on it and looking for the for the way to 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 understand how how we can do it together like how we, how we can do this step that was for my partner for olivia was uh, really not obvious because for her in many ways the anchor is the is the city is the is the beach is the the theater and taking a bicycle to meet friends or going to a coffee place. So, you know, we needed to balance these uh, this, uh, uh, differences. And uh, I think we came a very long way in our togetherness in order to, to find a way to, to make a bridge between our differences in order to grow as a family in our partnership, in partnerhood in our parenthood.
Um, yeah, so we moved to another village. It was a preparation for the kibbutz. It wasn't obvious to immediately jump into the kibbutz. Like, whoa, <laughs> wait, the kibbutz is too extreme. Let's take a step before. So for a year and a half, we lived in a, in a village, community village called Srigim, which is very close to Nativa Lamed Hay, where the Vertigo Dance Company is based. And that was a very nice connection. I started teaching there as well. And uh, yeah, it's a, it, was a, it was a very important transition to see if it's manageable for us as a family to live in the village. And eventually, the shift to the kibbutz is a real estate choice. Because it is so difficult in Israel, like how many more years can one pay rent? High rent, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 shekel a month just for rent. How many more years as a father, as a mother, as a dancer, as an artist? And this wish to, to find a, a place. Now we are living in the property of my mom. My mom lives in Ramat Gan, and she doesn't have, uh, for now, a plan to come back. Already 14 years, she's uh, out of the kibbutz, and she was really happy with it after 50 years of living in kibbutz. So it uh, worked out well, because we could enter her, her property. And now it's really, it really, it was the last stage of, of, the, the bureaucracy of the ownership of the land. So now my mom uh, is owning, is the owner of the land. And we, we, me, we would make an agreement with my mom about uh, uh, living here on this uh, piece of land. And, and it's ours. In, in other words, it's ours. It's my family's property. It's not... It's not anymore this like uh, maybe next year the rent will go higher or uh, the owner will decide to come back or we will to renovate and we will need to move. And it takes so much mental energy. And I really, really needed uh, this uh, anchor, this route for, for the sake of my family, for our well-being. And again, especially for to feel where can I support my family in the best uh, way as a father, as a partner. And it's very exciting to feel how the energy is bubbling up and I feel more and more uh, capability and availability because of, we're already two, three months here. Wow, we are here. We have landed in the promised land. <laughs> you know, it's really funny, but, but this was my image, like, uh, to arrive to the promised land. So, uh, well, everything is temporarily, and later on in life, maybe we will move again, but there is, in, in the mental aspect, in the, in, in, in the state of being now, a sensation, we are here. This is the place. This is what I feel, especially. Mm. And, and now I can focus on, on making 
a, a trunk and branches towards the dance and the performance and of course before that the education of uh, my partner's daughter uh, Kala uh, that she's entering now a uh, junior high high school and the education of uh, my little girl and and also for the coming baby I don't know if you know that Olivia she's pregnant and uh, <laughs> congratulations thank you very much and uh, in uh, a month and a half uh, is the due date for the oh, birth. that's the most exciting news that I ever had on my podcast <laughs> uh, I'm happy yeah it's a uh, very exciting and uh, we are fully in it and and uh, Um, yeah, there's a lot of focus there. Simultaneously sending, you know, also the, some attention and focus on finding creative, creative ways to live in such a community, in such a village, and how can we evolve in our profession as dancers and artists and performers? Mm. It's really not obvious. requires a lot of creativity, patience, durability, uh, and uh, persist- persistent, the uh, shoots. Yeah, persistence. Yeah. Mm. Wow, you know, like, uh, one thing you said that really touched me is that you said, like, yeah, I wanted to move because I wanted to be, to enable myself to be the best father I can. And you know, like when I kind of reflect back on what was my attitude when my first daughter was born, I was like so much far away from that. I was really still very obsessive about myself and about developing my career, and like, okay, and there's also some kind of a kid next to me, and it took me many years to kind of drop into this role of, "Ah, oh, wow, that's my responsibility now. Like life should circle around that and not vice versa and So first, like, yeah, it's really inspiring to see like the maturity in your decision making. It's really beautiful. And, and you know, like there's many things we can, I, I can already keep asking you, but I, I still want to go back a little bit to the past and to give also the audience some kind of a deeper look into who you are or where you're coming from. And also maybe to share with you a little bit like some memories that I have that in the way that Our life kind of circled together and how you affected me because I mean to some extent we have quite similar stories when it comes to the anecdotical decisions I think we were we were both involved in sport as young kids then grew up and then at a certain point we started to play around with dance mainly with contact improvisation and then there was a call to make it into something that is more professional and And you went and studied dance, and I went after and I, and I still remember that I was calling you to kind of get your advice about the school you were studying. And like, what do you think? Should I also go there? And you were kind of encouraging me, yeah, like, yeah, don't be afraid of it. You, you can make it, uh, because I had a lot of hesitation. Would I, would I really be able to transition from this kind of amateur contact dancer who enjoyed the attention of being on stage to really become a professional dancer? And So you played this important role in my life with this kind of like like a 
almost like a big brother who is doing the steps a little bit before me and I can have trust that, ah, okay, it's doable to do it. I can drop all my life that were very stable and go and pursue this dream. But not, something that I, I, I never really heard in detail is like, how did you get there? You know, like what was the, what you, was your journey from, you know, growing up kind of into the world of sport, but then at a certain point becoming curious about dance? How did this unfold? Um, yeah, wow. Uh, well, in the, in the beginning, as a child, as a teenager, I was obsessed with balls. A <laughs> 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 uh, football, a basketball, ping pong, all sizes of balls. <laughs> I was like, a, you know, like a, like a dog that when I see a ball, I have to be around it and, and catch it. This was my energy. Uh, it, has, it had this uh, competitive taste to it and the, the goal-oriented, like you got a score. Uh, uh, as a soccer player, as a basketball player, as a handball player, I was also for a short period of time professional handball goalkeeper. <laughs> because uh, I had really good instincts, so they put me a goalkeeper in handball, which is kind of a suicide uh, thing to do. <laughs> um, so I was then definitely uh, engaged very strongly in, in physicality. And the physicality I, I knew, especially as a boy, was sports. Yet, uh, in weddings, and in parties, uh, when the music is on, this bubble inside the body to dance, that is like, it doesn't have any target, any goal. It's just like, wow, this music is taking over me. Usually it could be uh, heavy metal, rock, blues music, and later on also jazz, very much influenced uh, the cells in my body to move to dance and I felt so free so there was something like that started to imprint in my cells that wow there is something so liberating in dancing uh, and I could do it for hours and I could be even at, in high school the first one you know the, the party starts everyone on the side with their like glasses and like starting to maybe move a little bit and like somebody needs to do the first step to start move I remember it in Safit in the high school I was uh, studying and I was like how can you even stop yourself from moving you know and this 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 first embarrassment from starting to uh, to dance to move I remember it uh, funny how I remember it clearly in my body that uh, what I will be the first one to start dance maybe yes and in the beginning you feel like so such a clown you know like you're embarrassed and then people join and that wow the, this is great dancing is great but I was I was shy I was embarrassed as a child to like no no other boys were studying dance maybe one or two and the the look from outside the observation or the perspective from outside is they have like a feminine quality to them so 
when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I was like, I, I cannot be the only boy dancing. <laughs> Uh, it was too embarrassing. I didn't have the courage. So all the, the dance moves I did uh, on the football court with a ball, you know, <laughs> like trying to imitate uh, Brazilians, Brazilian football. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I say it and I, I put a little like these bars, you know, just just realizing that now when I focus in, in my dance teaching about trajectory and the direction of the movement, how it is important for the, the action that you are doing, especially dancing with a partner, uh, but also for the game of balance and off balance, the trajectory of the movement. Now I realize how I was fascinated about it in football. Not necessarily is the person that is uh, kicking the ball to the to the goal to the goalkeeper but the one that is passing the last pass the, the, uh, to the person that will kick it to the to the goal so the accuracy of how high how is the dynamic and the energy of me kicking the ball and the accuracy of the ball arriving not to the leg of the other player but a bit in front or in the direction that he can kick this accuracy is still something that is present uh, in now in me as a, as a dancer it's very interesting I, I never i now in the conversation because of going back you know and tracking it down i realized the connection which i relate to it as the trajectory of the movement um, so anyway, I was into sports very strongly, and uh, at some point there was a aerobic class, and I wanted to try everything, you know. I, I even if it's just one class, uh, I don't know if you call aerobic aerobic uh, movement in front of mirrors dance or not, but there was music. <laughs> So I went and I danced, and for some reason, I don't know why, I had to take the shortest pants ever. So I, I probably looked uh, very feminine. <laughs> and it was a period of time when I was 15, 16, I also had like a hair almost to the shoulders. And something in my appearance was feminine um, in, my, in my look. And uh, the other kids were like, uh, uh, after going to this class, were like really putting me down, you know, like, uh, how you say it? Uh, all these names, these nicknames, like... Uh, like uh, Bullying you a bit. Yeah, and, and yeah, it was also a moment of realization. Labeling you. Exactly. Like uh, more like uh, how you say a faggot or uh, all these kind of uh, words, and eventually, in the beginning, it's, it can hurt. But eventually, I, I started asking myself questions connected to femininity and masculinity. How does it appear in dance? How do I look in the mirror uh, to myself while dancing? Like the self-image, you know, which is eventually we grow up. 
having maybe the longest relationship ever with our self-image. <laughs> and, and it evolves and changes throughout life very much. Um, and something actually about it made me uh, find stronger my center and find the way to bring my masculinity and, and uh, me, myself, as I am, into the dance world without labeling this is only for women and this is only for men. And, but it was, it was a, a long, uh, it, was, it was a journey, especially as a teenager. At some point, just before the army, one friend of mine, female friend, she saw me dancing in a pub or something and said, look, you got to come with me. There's a contact class of Ari Burstein in the, the kibbutz seminar, seminar kibbutzim college. You got to try this. And she invited me and I said, wow, why not? I'm curious. And I came and I fell in love with the contact language. I was, I think, 19, 18 or 19. And I think this was maybe the first taste of like dancing in a studio and uh, you know dancing in the studio with a partner alone exploring movement and it was like a, a revolution revolution and uh, no uh, to, you reveal something uh, revelation revelation yes and a big revelation for me. And I fell in love with it. And, and then I joined the army. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Exactly the opposite. So, uh, and I served three years in the army, but every chance I had, I would go with my uh, soldier outfits and the rifle that I was carrying to the studio and then sometimes arriving the first person and just this action of taking the, the soldier outfit off and putting the gun to the side and just putting the training to dance was also a meaningful action for me of how the, this, how this life can, uh, these worlds can uh, coexist in some way. Uh, I would just mention that in the army, I was a medic. <laughs> I realized I don't want to kill anyone. I don't want to fight anyone. What can I do best in the army to serve in the army was uh, maybe to help others. So I went to a medic course and I became a medic. And I actually had a very meaningful time in the army. And after I finished, I think, I think quite fast, I asked myself, okay, now where can I, where can I uh, uh, now uh, dive deeper into the exploration of physicality, into the contact? And, uh, and then uh, Sandra Amsalem called me. <laughs> you remember the name? You know the name? No, actually, no. One of the, also one of the first that were like uh, the, the leaders of contact, she had her own 
direction she took with the contact, improv contact improvisation here in Israel, leading it here in Israel uh, from the beginning of uh, the millennium. And she, she was uh, also very passionate about circus and acrobatics, and she was a dancer herself, so she took contact into uh, improvisation uh, and was exploring the connection between that and the uh, circus, circus arts, also theater, acrobalance. Uh, Yeah. Ah, she had this school, So I studied there for two years. I uh, found myself doing some circus stuff. Uh, I, 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 yeah, she was a very meaningful contact teacher for me. Um, also, Arya Bolstein, by the way, he is very inspiring with his words and his uh, description, how he unfolds the physical material with his words. Uh, Sandra Salem was a big inspiration to see her moving and dancing uh, contact. Uh, not only as the one that is being lifted and flying around, but also she's, so, she's very small. As the person, as the base, as the person lifting, and uh, like really this uh, versatile uh, uh, personality you know, in, in terms of the physicality to, to change from being very grounded and strong as the person that is supporting as the base, but also as the flyer and the ability to change between both. Uh, so I studied there. I, I, I think I, I really dive deeper into the contact very strongly. And yet I realized that uh, circus is not really my thing. Uh, I, I enjoy watching circus, but it wasn't a big desire for me to climb on a rope, uh, to do you know, numbers on the rope or on trapeze or on tissue. I wanted to learn dance on the ground. I started joining some, joining, uh, some uh, groups. I started performing a bit with the school uh, ensemble, but also with other groups. And yet I felt that uh, I felt something is missing in terms of my physical skills, in terms of what we may call technique. And when I perform, when I dance, I realize that I'm going into the dramatic theatrical aspect of the performance many times because of the lack of feeling like not having enough physical tools within me. And, and although I felt like strong as a performer and uh, you know using the theatricality as well I felt well I'm I'm hiding something something is missing and and 
I was so passionate about dance. I said, hi, now, come on, no excuses. I was, I think, 25. And I just stopped everything back then. And I went to the north and I joined the dance training workshop in Kibbutz Gaton, which has also a link. It's next by to the Kibbutz Contemporary Dance Company is working there. And I started intensely hardcore like um, a training, a sometimes doing also afternoon classes of ballet. So sometimes I could take maybe even three ballet classes a day in the beginning. So I said, yeah, just, just dive into the technique. And, uh, and it was very challenging, you know, to study ballet, uh, classical dance in a later age can be a very frustrating experience. Uh, and, uh, and looking at yourself in the mirror while you do adagio or Petit Allegro, if you manage to watch yourself in the mirror and, 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 uh, and have the coordination to, to watch yourself and do the fast uh, steps at the same time. So, uh, so wow, you're on it. But uh, in the beginning, the, the feeling is that the self-image is broken. It's not a pleasant sight. If I came to study classical dance and I felt like really secure and uh, confident about myself and my skills as a mover, as a, as a performer, uh, up to some level, of course, up to some level. Um, when I started studying classical dance, ballet, I was like, the image was shattered. I felt like a cripple. I felt I could only see the lack, the lack of this, the lack of that, the lack of flexibility, the lack of point, the lack of arch, the lack of... Uh, I can really identify with it, you know, it's like it's the one thing that I really didn't want to deal with my own education and I really suppressed it it's so challenging to to face it now uh, and then yeah you know there's you, you finish the day you feel like really sore in the body and also mentally or emotionally it's like wow it wasn't easy <laughs> but for some reason the next morning every morning doesn't matter how i felt i there wasn't a doubt in me that I'm getting up for the classes. It was like an inner voice that was stronger than my, how I perceive myself, how I see myself, that like, yeah, this is like super challenging, but you're not stopping, man. <laughs> and I kept on going and I appreciate it so much. I've learned so much from, from, from classical dance, I feel it's a, I haven't taken a, a ballet class for years, but it's in my cells very much, very much, it's there. And the, the coordination, the, 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 
articulation with um, the levels of muscle tone, to have this high muscle tone and to learn to control it, suspension of movement, uh, the work of suspension. You don't see it in a baby. But this is super interesting for me now as a dancer, as a teacher, that I watch uh, my little girl, you know, my little, uh, as a little baby when she moves. She doesn't suspend her movement. There is no suspension. She can fall and have irrhythmical movement and ref reflexes. And it's connected to what she wants, some kind of goal, some kind of action. Or even if she dances freely, uh, she would not go down to the floor suspending her movement in order to land down softly to the floor. She would just bump down or fall down to the floor and tap, tap, and like, and there is something so interesting and so, in a way, unnatural uh, to study ballet in that aspect that I'm learning to control so profoundly my muscle tone and to suspend the movement to a very slow pace sometimes. And I think it, uh, it gave me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of knowledge, physical knowledge that now I, you know, in the last 10 years, 15 years, I am using it, you know, it's, like I said, it's in my body, in my cells. As a contemporary dancer, as a contact dancer, mover, as a teacher, um, uh, so I really appreciate, uh, or like I'm, 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 I'm happy that I managed to, to not let this uh, hurdle, this wall, when the self-image is broken, watching myself doing classical dance, and like, wow, I feel like a cripple. I'm not sure this is for me. The, the, the body doesn't feel good at all. The sensations are really unpleasant. Uh, and, and the next days and the next weeks, it doesn't feel better, <laughs> sometimes even worse. But there is a point that something changes. And I think after two years of studying ballet, I, I went afterwards and I, and I kept on studying in the Maslul training program that was in Bikure AI team in Tel Aviv, ran by uh, Nomi Perlov at that time. Now she's running the Suzanne Dalal Center. Uh, um, so after two years of really focusing on studying classical dance, ballet, I, I felt in, in a class, now I'm dancing ballet. Now I'm not just doing movements like the teacher is doing or like the other dancers. I'm not just copying movement, I'm actually dancing. And it took a long time, but reaching this feeling that I dance a new language, really like, like breaking my teeth and learning Spanish or a new language. There is this satisfaction that, uh, oh, my body now has another language imprinted in my cells, in my tissues, in my nerve system. And uh, 
it's super rewarding and satisfying. I'm really grateful for that, uh, for the persistence. Uh, yeah, um, so that was my, I don't know, the early times and also my, mm. my, my, my journey as a, as a student for dance. Could I jump in? And yeah, then, uh, yeah, I, do so, yeah. Yeah, like, first, thank you. It's like, uh, it's really nice to, to, to hear you and to take the space to actually dive into those stories. I think they're like, they're so, much, so, they're so meaningful. And, and like the, 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 the thing that kind of uh, <laughs> captured my attention a lot is like what you said about, first about this coincidence of starting to dance and bam, and then suddenly going to the army, this kind of sharp, let's say kind of reality confrontation. You're still in Israel. It's like you have your, like your country calls you and you have to kind of deal with that. And, and I experienced something similar, but with a different elements. I, I kind of discovered traveling before the army. I, I flew to, to Thailand as a, when I was 18 and I started to realize, wow, there's a whole world out there that I can experience. And then oh, I had to go to the army and I had this kind of inner calling of like, why am I here? I, there is so many places I can be actually. And I, and I, and I had this kind of internal conflict. And, and then when you, when you describe this scene of like kind of taking the, the, the uniform and putting the rifle and, and changing your, your, like, you know, to a dance pants and going to the dance, this is some transition that I can really identify on a kind of from the bird's eyes perspective, because I didn't, I wasn't engaged in any professional dance or like dancing in the studio while I was in the army, but it was somehow something that accompanied me when I finished the army and Part of taking out the uniform was also eventually kind of to start wearing the dance outfit and to, to go through this transition. And, and I think that it's massive because it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's a huge uh, look on the identity. And also like, you know, we both grew up in Israel, which is, uh, which is still nowadays a land of conflict. And 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 the and and the dancer body and the soldier body they they have like they have different sensitivities but yet within this you went and study in a very very challenging environment and and in the school that you study in uh, Naomi Perlov in Tel Aviv i also wanted to to follow your steps and i went to do an audition there and and i didn't got accepted and I was kicked in the first round and it was a really strong hit to my ego because I was like kind of following your story and I said like, ah, cool, yeah, I'm confident, I have good present, they will for sure take me. And then they kicked me in the first round and I was like, wow, what's, like, what's, what's gonna happen now? And then I got accepted to a, to a school in Europe and you know, that's kind of maybe why I'm here now in Vienna and not in Israel. But I then man managed to come back and visit this school and, and after I finished my education, I came back to Israel and I was teaching a workshop in the school where you were studying. And I was also participating in some kind of performance project and I've seen the attitude of you Naomi, know, the, 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 the director, and I, and I was thinking like, wow, she's like so sharp and clear and tough with the student that it's almost like, you know, like a military training. Yeah, very much, <laughs> very much. 
And, and that's a very interesting connection, no? like this, that on one hand, like, you know, the purpose is completely opposite, like, you know, from self-expression and beauty into like, you know, like self-preservation and war and conquest. But on the body level, like, you know, we are treating the body sometimes so similar, like also in the army, you would drill movements repetitively in order to get them into your body. You know, I, I still remember this movement that you would stand and then the, the officer will shout uh, Pazatsta and you would have to drop into the ground, like, and, you know, just protect yourself. And, and it's like a movement, you know, I, you would tell me to me now, I can do it in an instinct, I think. So, so how do you see this? Like, wh- wh- where, where is the space in between of this kind of, let's say, dense militarization that enables you to still feel they're free? Or like, I don't know if you can resonate with these ideas, but what do you think about it? Wow, that's a super interesting uh, topic you brought. Um, really inspiring um, to hear this, uh, this direction of thought. Um, how can I dance in the army, you know? It's, it's like, it's like we are just um, uh, moving from one life frame to the other. <clears throat> the scenery is changing. The, the kind of actions we are, we are needing to do is, is different and the, the composition is different. Uh, but this quality or this um, uh, memory to dance, dance is, is to, uh, is, a, is, a, is a way of communication. It's a, it's a, it's a state of mind. I felt in the army where I was, in many aspects, I was dancing. The, the, the kind of field, the kind of direction I took as a medic, and later on in charge of a clinic in the paratroops uh, a unit, uh, and needing also to, to be in charge of a, a, a group of other soldiers. The dialogue, whether it, whether it is verbally or whether it is, you know, through my actions, there is some kind of dance into it. And so it's, it's some kind of a spirit that I feel has the same kind of a, a imprint in the soul while I'm in the army and while I'm dancing as a student for Nomi Perlov. Uh, so I felt for myself that Nomi Perlov is giving uh, although you know from a from from an from a from a perspective from outside or from a look from outside it 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 of course it could seem and I can laugh about it it, it was an army of dance <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like being in the army in in many ways but in other words in other words it's a very tight structure. The structure is very, very tight. And my question as a dancer, as a human being that, that, that enjoy dancing, 
how can I find freedom and movement in a very, very, very tight structure? And, they, and so I took it as a challenge. I wasn't like, this is not for me and I don't like the attitude and uh, not in the army and not dancing and uh, in the muscle training program where I also encountered a lot of, you know, challenges and difficulties in relation to, to my, my uh, progress and to myself and to how I perceive myself as a dancer. You can't help comparing yourself to others when you see others and they dance so beautifully and where you are in relation to that. Uh, also other men, of course. But it was so challenging, tight structure of counts, of different language of movements like Barak Marshall or Prajokaj, uh, which I remember from the Maslow training program, uh, or uh, Nacho Duato uh, uh, and other kinds, Idan Sharabi, I remember as well, uh, Yossi, Yossi Bergvodet Graf, not only tight structure, like every structure is very, very specific, is I also need to be very capable to change, like in the next hour and a half, to something completely else sometimes, to another very tight structure, and to really find how I can find my freedom and my way in it. And the same state of mind, the same question, or the same, the same being I had as a soldier in the army, not judging the army while being there. We don't need an army uh, and all the politics and, and, the, and the things around it. And like, like I just want to rebel and I don't want to be here. I just, you know, this is in some ways the reality of, of, uh, of living in Israel and of course, we could open it, open it up. I, I, I don't think it's relevant for now. Uh, yes or no, an army for Israel, uh, especially in that ages. But that was my reality, and I decided not to fight it, but to find a way to find my freedom in it and my voice in it and what I can do to, to, to not only focus on my self-growth, but how I can help others as well. And therefore, be, I became a medic. So I have a very inspiring memory for that, from that. And again, like I said, the same, it's the same state of mind, studying a very tight structure, like a classical dance, or all kind of uh, movement languages of different choreographers, uh, and under the rehearsal management of Nomi Perlov, that everything, you know, it needs to be very tight. And also, if you don't do it as accurate or in the, in the color of, the, of how the choreographer would like, you might not perform it. So also the sense of competition was there or the, the wish to, you know, this ambition or the strive to, I, well, I really want to perform it. If I didn't get it, if I would not perform it, or be, if I wouldn't be the first class or second class. Um, 
it's not obvious. It's also something, you know, that, that, that wasn't easy to, to, to digest. But it's what it was. And I chose to be there. So I wasn't a victim of anything. I just like, here I am. That's the reality. And I was just, how can I take the best out of it? And I feel the most inspiring thing, maybe one of the most inspiring things I took was to find freedom in a very, very tight structure. And mm. that's what comes to me. Oh, it's, uh, you know, one thought that comes in mind when I hear you is that, like, if I think about the word freedom, I can look at it in two different trajectories. So I'm also going to use a bit your vocabulary. So I can use, I can experience freedom for something, but I can also look at freedom as freedom from something. And that's, I think, something that, I mean, I've experienced the connection to freedom in these two opposing ways. So when I, when I think about dancing, so then I immediately think, ah, dance gives me the freedom to express myself. So it's freedom for something. But when I think about being a soldier, I had freedom from earthly commitments. I didn't need to take care of myself in the army. The army did it for me. So I, had, I, I didn't have to worry about so much things that normally would occupy my time, like what, what, what I'm going to eat, when, where, where I'm going to be, how much I'm going to sleep. Like all these things have been decided for me. So I had complete freedom from that and I didn't need to worry about those things. And within it, there is a certain freedom. And, and I guess that maybe the difficult, maybe the, what you said, like, which is in the heart of the differences, I think it's like, you know, like that you chose to go to the dance school. Like we, you, it's like, I take the choice and now I go and I put myself in this extreme environment and it's my choice. I'm not a victim of the situation. And to some extent, I didn't choose to go to the army, but I did choose at least. And, and, and I guess that, you know, like, we can talk about it hypothetically and philosophically to what extent do we have choice in life. But if we talk about like external circumstances, so I think some circumstances, I guess it's very hard to choose to change them. I don't know. I, the first thing that comes in mind is like if, you know, the Syria, Syrian civil war, if we were born there, it would be very hard to just decide, I don't want to deal with it. I'm changing my reality. It's like, it's, a, it's probably a, a, a difficult situation to choose. But nevertheless, I think that the way we relate to the situation, that there, there, there is tremendous amount of freedom. Tremendous. In, in, in how, we, how, we, how we address those, yeah, those, those challenges. And, and yeah, and yeah, yeah, for, know, for know, me, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, go, go, go ahead. No, I mean, freedom of choice is really a big topic. I, one of the pieces I, I danced in uh, The Big Game by Sharona Flosheim. <laughs> I have a, like a big, uh, like a moment there speaking about it. Uh, and, uh, and at the Elzam, we were dancing together in the piece. Uh, I'm, I'm having like a speech about Bechira uh, Chubshit. Uh, freedom of choice, free will, free will. Yeah. Free will. Uh, and I'm like full on to it, you know, free will. And, and Adiz is saying, uh, uh, stop, play, stop, play. He, he decides randomly, I don't know where it is, to cut me 
and I'm stopping and then I'm and then he says play and I continue talking like so engaged in it it was for me a, a very meaningful uh, experience as a performer this uh, moment I, I remember like almost arguing with with Sharona that I don't manage to grab the essence of the of the this uh, solo this moment this monologue like a monologue half physical half verbal talking to the audience and I think that was one of the uh, uh, the beauties of this moment that I, I, I was like am I really free you know it was like so uh, like a satire like so ironic in that moment that this kind of stopping and play and I'm like full-on into it and Speaking about free will, and 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 you know when as as, as we grow up, this um, a, a interest or a focus on on a free will, freedom of choice is very present. Am I really choosing what I do? Uh, I think. You know, just to support movement and physicality, if I want to be simple in that aspect. So in life, there are so many moments to, to fall into the trap of I'm a victim. They did this to me. He did that to me. It's because of they. It's because of them. Oh, I'm miserable, you know. And, you, and it's so easy to get trapped in it as a partner, as a father, in the profession. And I needed to do a lot of self-work also to realize, to, to snap and to step out of it in the places where I felt it. And one of the uh, understandings or the clarities were, I'm choosing, I'm here. This is the reality. This is the tight structure that I'm working with. What is the dance inside? What is the freedom? And unless, unless I can have another choice, oh, this is not for me, you know. It's like I have no doubt that uh, I will not touch cocaine. It's like, it's not that I'm looking for the, I don't know what, uh, inside of it. It's like a clear border. Uh, this is not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, you know. Uh, but the choice to have a family, also as a dancer, as an artist, is not an obvious choice. Uh, there was a lot, a very long inner process to, to, to connect to the, to the choice making that I made. I'm making here a choice. And, and, and this choice becomes my reality every day. What is the dance here? How can I dance it? And it's theoretically, if especially now or like after quite a while, you know, I can, I can speak about it. Um, it's very challenging to practice on a daily basis. And this is actually connects me to you very much. I feel also emotionally because hearing also other podcasts and, and knowing you and realizing you're also a father for two, right? Father for two, yeah. and 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 an artist, 
movement artist yourself, a dancer, performer, and how to manage to 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 sync between this these two uh, realities of of an artist, an artist that wants to fulfill oneself and to evolve uh, as a performer, as a mover, as a dancer, and explore more and more. But we have a family and uh, we need to give a shelter and provide for this family. And uh, it's, it's an incredible duet eventually. It's, uh, it's an incredible performance. And I'm saying that after a lot of tears. <laughs> hmm. You know, like, you, you said one word that kind of, again, pulled my attention. You said, like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be the victim. I'm not the victim. I don't want to cultivate the state of victimhood and to start blaming. And while you were saying it, because I, like when, the way you described it, I could immediately kind of feel the kind of emotion that it that this state of mind would provoke inside of me and it made me to think about like what is the utility of it because you know like if we look at very extreme situation there are situation of that you can really say like well they were the victims of this situation you know like i don't know the first thing that comes in mind very clear very obvious you know we are we are both uh, we grew up in israel we have this jewish heritage you go back to the history of the second world war you know like there was a clear perpetrators and, and and victims there but i think that like the way i'm like now when you were saying it it kind of was clear for me like that maybe it's good to recognize what kind of emotions you are, are being are being generated and maybe i would differentiate between resentment and anger because i feel like when when i start to feel resentment inside of me then i'm connecting to this victimhood that is that is very negative that is like Ah, I don't. I didn't get the job because he got the job, and I, like now I'm the victim. And like, like life is not fair to me. And then I full. Of, I'm I'm full of resentment. And but sometimes it's also good to to recognize, you know, these these like potential injustices. But then I feel that it's more. I would be more connected to anger if I see, you know, I don't know, if I go on the street and I see some very, you know, strong boy kicking the ass of a very young boy. Then you know I'm 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 not gonna be resentment. I'm gonna be angry. Hey, what is going on here? This is not okay. This is like this is not like now you're you're behaving in a way that is not okay to this person, and and you're attacking this victim because I think that victimhood is not something that is always like that. You know that should always be pointed internally when we when we are interacting with the world. Like correct me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you think differently, but I see situation where. I can recognize that somebody is suffering and there is a certain external cause and I want to support it. But nevertheless, I understand that as a strategy for self-liberation, it's not good to pump your, your, your victim mentality. But so you understand what I'm pointing? Like there is an external use of it and there is an internal relation with it. And maybe they're both like, it's good to differentiate between them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's endless sometimes, the, the ability to break down mentally what is good and what is bad and if it's right or not. 
something. Why am I dancing? Why am I moving? I'm moving because movement is life. So I, while the, the, the feeling that there is movement is, is a feeling I'm alive. Therefore, the main question I ask myself is by reacting in a certain way, do I sense movement or do I sense stuckness, lack of movement? Now, very inspiringly, I'm learning very humbly how to transform more clearly anger when it comes up into movement and not into am I right or wrong, which is in my body a sensation of stuckness. Something is stuck. I'm now working with my head. My physicality is shut down. And the, so the main question is, do I sense movement in my action, in my choice making? So it's not about deleting what we can say as negative emotions or sensations or like, you know, resentment, frustration, anger, uh, jealousy. Um, is what is the movement aspect of it? And if I connect to movement within the emotion of anger, um, first of all, I'm, I'm living, I'm alive. And I allow movement. And now I allow anger to transform into something else, maybe even in a surprising way. Uh, and I can also inspire, and I feel this is for me uh, almost like a shlichut, like, uh, how do you say, to be a missionary of something, like a shlichut yeah. bivrit. Uh, yeah, I, I, the word doesn't come up immediately for yeah, me as well. Yeah, but even as a performer, you know. A life quest. Life quest, life quest, is to inspire others to find movements movement in each and every situation that there is a sensation of stuckness and the and and and, and the moments of stuckness they arrive every day sometimes countless moments a day that you can realize if you look inside for a moment doesn't matter if i'm right or wrong something is stuck there is no movement i can clearly say feel maybe in certain parts in my body and does it tribute my growth? Uh, so I use this, this kind of questions in a laboratory, uh, you know, this, this uh, circle of, uh, of uh, thoughts, if to say it like this, to help me make choices. Even if I see uh, an injustice happening, like you were saying, a bigger boy uh, hitting a, a younger, smaller child. A, what they also experience in themselves, or maybe the bigger boy, some kind of stuckness that drives him to act the way he does. He doesn't now compassionately watching him. If I'm, you know, in a good state, 
managed to say that it doesn't have the knowledge yet how to uh, channel or transform his anger into a, a into movement into into life into living so he hit he hits a little boy because the movement wants to be expressed it cannot be suppressed if it's suppressed after a while it it grows inside the body and it wants to be expressed somehow it can be afterwards it can turn into cancer into colon diseases into asthma into skin diseases into moments of rage that you need to shout or you need to to hit someone the learning process how to find movement a creative um, inspiring movement uh, within uh, negative emotions or from negative emotions or sensations is wow this is amazing and I would like to give uh, an example from the last performance, actually, that I had, uh, what was it, uh, three weeks ago. I'm lucky and fortunate to perform again in front of live audience. It's a blessing. And I was performing with the latest, uh, one of the latest pieces that I'm uh, dancing in with the choreographer, Tamar Borel. Uh, the language movement there is uh, from the world of uh, Buto dance, that Japanese uh, uh, language of uh, movement, Buto. Uh, there is something a lot very, very delicate uh, uh, inside and uh, this uh, exploration or uh, express um, the expressiveness of this kind of movement on stage and, and finding the delicacy within the movement is one of the key uh, uh, points in order to unfold and reveal the, the language of the Bhutto. Uh, so, some, so, so one can understand it by, I will decrease the aggressiveness. I will shut down negative emotions. So I will connect to softness, sensitivity, delicacy. Uh, I was so fortunate to work with her and realize how to bring my, like what is happening inside of me, not identify with it, but to learn how to transform it into movement, into a, 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 a prof, uh, something that we can say uh, uh, performative and communicative. Um, and in the last performance we did, when I came on that day, I was frustrated and angry. Doesn't matter from what. And I needed to perform this performance. It's an hour performance, it's a journey with three musicians on stage playing live music and with three dancers, me, another female dancer, and Tamar Borel. And I was like, wow, I'm so far from the delicacy and the, and, the, and, the, and the small things. I'm like, wow, I'm like, I feel this anger that it makes everything like big, big volume. 
And, and I could remember myself in other moments, like shutting down the anger or putting it, okay, now connect to something else, just put it aside. And at a certain point, because I have a very close relationship with Tamar, a very open uh, relationship, I asked you, look, Tamar, wow, I'm so angry today. How can I, what can I do, you know? I, I want to, how to find to direct it into the performance. I don't remember her exact words, but I do remember that just by sharing with her what I feel and not suppressing it and understanding with her together that is not something bad that I need to put aside, but Yochai, use this as an opportunity now to, to channel it into the unknown, unfamiliar, awkward world of Buto, of this choreography of the journey that we are entering. It was incredible. But then it was like, wow, to, 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 to find a way how something that is stuck and you just want to shout it out, hit it out, and you find yourself suppressing it. And then you feel the lack of movement and your body is like, oh, struggling or it's hard. And inside of that, to discover the way how to channel it into movement in the performance itself was a, was a healing process. And, and I think was super inspiring. And uh, I remember also from the comments, from, from audience and from, you know, and especially from my feeling after, I felt, I felt so good. I felt liberated. I felt wiser. I felt, wow, that's one of the reasons I go up to, on stage to perform, uh, to, to practice this, uh, this uh, uh, skill, these abilities, not just to be the best soldier, executor, movement, mover, dancer, you know, that sometimes we study, but to bring the inner personality, the emotions, the sensations, and to sync it together. And this dance of all these feelings, sensations, technique, experience as a mover, and, and all of it together, you know, finding this uh, communication between all the, all the colors and the sides, there, there is a manifestation of freedom. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing this story. It's re it really touched me. And, and there is something that I really want to take from this conversation to my life is the, is not to, yeah, to maybe to, really use the body intelligence in order to sense if the energy is flowing or not rather than going into because i'm i'm hyper intellectual you know i immediately go to the brain and i start to dissect things with words and understanding concept and putting them in different boxes and and, and that's how i kind of operate but it's uh, where it doesn't work at all in my life is when i have to confront my kids in challenging situations then all all the verbalization it's like it's like it's not working anymore like like 
my son, he, he, he pushes me in a lot of sensitive points around the topic of anger management and general like physical aggression. And yeah, I, I would really want to take those words into action in my life. Thank you for pointing it out like this. I, I have to mention You're, that I came home and I felt more available for my family. How beautiful can it be that I also were really diving deep into the art and into the, into the dance and the performance, but also coming home, I was like, hey, I'm available to be here. You know, so, so, so therefore I felt, okay, something good happened, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the, yeah, this is the, maybe the most uh, inspiring thing about it, no? Like, because, because many times I feel that when I really dive into my universe, then it's kind of because I, because I pushed the family aside, but not in order to come back and take the role. and. In my, little, in my own story, it made me to take the choice of like really stopping for a while. You know, I stopped teaching in 2018. I took a break from teaching for, seven, for like a year and a half. And I needed to really understand these new responsibilities that I've invited into my life. And now I'm slowly getting back into that, but from a very different angle. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I will definitely try to take from this conversation look you know the word that comes to me is coordination learning to be a dancer a performer or even to live and grow up is practicing coordination i don't know if one can call it multitasking but this ability that, that we have we're sometimes resisting it that we can do that and that and that and that and we will be fine and maybe they will even contribute to one another in ways that sometimes that we cannot see. So sometimes we, we, the, the, this tendency to go and do something, to go and work and disconnect from my family or to be with my family and disconnect from my art and my dance in order to manage this or that, there is some kind of survival mode into it in order to manage, to be here. Wow, I need to disconnect from that, so I need to be here. And I'm trying something that I, I, might, I might, you know, you can uh, call it an unhabitual way to practice something unhabitual is not to, to delete an experience from another uh, life frame, from another composition, from another, from another reality that I have when I'm just with myself and when I'm with the family, but to find this integration, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not saying it like I'm, I'm juggling it like somebody juggled five balls, you know, so easily. I'm saying it because, you know, I'm sharing this because it's something that I'm really super duper practicing now in my life, full on. I took it as a, I said, hi, it's not in the future. It's not, it's now you have to find a way to integrate between your life as a dance artist that is so passionate about my own individual progress in life and evolution in art and in dance and in performance. You've got to find to integrate it with the family. 
living also in the village, <laughs> in, in some way far from the, you know, the light, uh, the easy approach to art and dance, and having a, a young family also, you know, a baby on the way, and the soul that is almost free, and, and Kalash is well. And to find this integration, and I'm like, if you won't do it, and just say you're a victim of a reality, or I don't know what, it's a, yeah, it's up to you. So, and I'm not doing it alone, you know. First of all, I'm really uh, having a lot of conversation with my partner, with Olivia, that of course she has a similar uh, challenge in a way, because she's also a dancer and she's also very much into choreography and definitely into making art. And how to combine it with being a family or to now be pregnant. Uh, so we are, we are sharing a lot and we are, and I also humbly say that I use help, you know, I, I can meet a therapist to, to talk about it, to, to brainstorm what is needed to break through uh, this, uh, Afred Mushol, this, this two extremes, raising a family, providing for a family and being a dance artist, a performer, how can it coexist? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing it, I'm excited in my body, I'm also like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm learning it as I speak, as I share it, I'm, I'm remembering it also, reminding it myself as well mm. hey man it's so nice to see you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i would love to just appear like that next to you and share some dances together man i really miss it so much and and yeah I, you know it's like when i hear you i'm i'm also more positive about about the conflicts that conflicts the challenges that i need to face my wife has a very strong wish to go back to israel and i have a tremendous you know i have a lot of fears how can i integrate who am i now into going back to the place i was born but you know i look at this conversation that we had and how did and you know, like the, the the concept that you brought into it the anchors and the trust and the integration yeah i can i can really hope i can follow your footstep in that regard of inviting trust to face the unknown and to face the the inevitable changes that we have to go through your your hi i uh, you know it's funny because i literally didn't ask you one thing from the list of of questions that i made for us and Yet I, I come out extremely satisfied with the time that we spent together. And I do want to give you some space. I don't know if it's something that is important for you or not, but to share a little bit with those who are listening, like where they can catch you if they're interested in, you know, tasting a bit more of what you're offering. I don't know if you're teaching now or if you have some plans to, to be again in Europe and elsewhere, or if you're offering some online courses or something that people can you know, have a have a another bite from what you are talking about. Ah, uh, 
thank you for the space for that. Let me think. (laughs) 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 You want to come plant some trees with me in the garden? Me and Olivia are really, really excited to plant some fruit trees and really exploring what are the best fruit trees for this kind of uh, region or part in Israel. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, professionally uh, speaking, um, I'm performing also next month. Uh, Probably every two months we will see with Tamar Borel and the piece is called Nur what I was sharing before in Hateva, uh, in, in, in Jaffa, in Israel. Uh, also, I haven't mentioned, but uh, I'm dancing in a very uh, beautiful uh, duet that Olivia has created. I was a co-created and dancer in the piece. It's called I Care You Hold, that was created for Curtain Up Festival in 2019. There was the premiere, and we were supposed to tour in also to Holland, to Portugal, to Hungary. Everything was cancelled due to the corona or postponed. Uh, not to mention that now she's pregnant, so everything is uh, postponed second time. Uh, so now there isn't a specific date for performances. Um, uh, although there they will be most likely from April, May, June 2022. Um, so this is the main two projects that I'm in for now. Uh, as a teacher, again, the, 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 the ability to travel abroad <laughs> is now like a big question mark. Um, so I don't know now, now, now there isn't something in the schedule for, uh, for, for teaching in the, uh, abroad, but in Israel, uh, occasionally I give, uh, workshops, uh, of contact and, um, that they are open. The next workshop is actually in Hakvutsa, a weekend for, uh, advanced, uh, contact the dancers, whatever it means. (laughs) Um, I will be teaching there. Besides that, I'm teaching in uh, dance training programs. Like it's not something that somebody can just join or or close the close frames like companies here in Israel. But uh, so. So maybe maybe I will link to your like social media profile that people who are curious to connect to you are welcome I, to I, I, If there is a workshop or something, so I publish uh, just on my page on Facebook. Um, for now, <laughs> like I said, my main focus is this now anchor in, in Batnil and, and settling down and uh, maybe finding the way to organize a space for us to dance. <laughs> you know, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can really wish that, you know, like if the situation here will change, I would love to invite you here to Vienna, maybe to do some collaboration here. Amazing. I'd uh, be happy to. To be very happy to cross paths. And 
Yeah, I want to thank you for the time that you, you came here and everything you shared. And it's really touched me, this conversation. And I'm super happy to have the opportunity to share this time with you, man. Thank you very much, Matan. I was inspired and excited. And I had no idea <laughs> what will come out. Uh, I, I'm also very thankful. Toda. Toda. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more movement-related content and educational training programs, visit our website at www.movementlab.eu. Thank you.